Welcome to The Pension Blueprint. I am your host, Jackie D'Souza. In this episode, we learn what you need to retire if you are a Gen Z, millennial, or a boomer with Globe and Mail personal finance columnist, Rob Carrick. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks. You're a personal finance columnist for the Globe and Mail with a notable interest in retirement. I don't know if you've coined this phrase or not, but you recently spoke on a podcast, not this one, about getting into the retirementality, all one word. What is retirementality and why is it important? Uh, the retirementality was a Globe and Mail podcast that I did where I interviewed uh, experts, financial planners, investment advisors on the uh, the mindset you need to retire at various ages. Of course, I did uh, one on boomers, but I also did one for Gen Xers and millennials as well, because you, you're thinking about retirement depends on your age. But by and large, the retirementality means looking ahead to the time when you're going to be retired. Where do you want to be? How do you want to live your life? And what do you need to do to get there from where you are in the, in the present day. Now that, that sounds great. How, how can people find these podcasts on the Globe and Mail website? Oh, I think a simple Google search will do. Just Google Rob Carrick, The Retirementality, Globe and Mail, and um, you'll, you'll find it. It's, uh, there's three episodes. And um, I, I had a great chat with experts uh, for each age group. And I, I, I even learned a lot myself. You know, um, the, the idea of visualizing your future self what uh, type of retirement you'd like to have and thinking about what can I do to make that happen at the age I'm at now. It may be nothing. We have to we have to acknowledge that people have their hands full with expenses right now. But the idea being that if I can't do it now, when do I think I will be able to do it? And to be sure that you do start at that at that future point. You're obviously very passionate about um, about retirement and financial advice. So how and why did you become interested in personal finance? You know, I was an investment reporter at the Globe and Mail back when I started here about 30 odd years ago. And I was making a lot of personal finance decisions in my own life. You know, I was married with kids. We'd, we owned a house and uh, personal finance was just sort of in my face all the time. And I thought the Globe should... Uh, should ramp up its coverage of personal finance, and I volunteered to do it. And they said okay, and uh, so that sort of got me on the uh, on the road that's taking me where I am today. You know, basically, it was just dealing with personal finance in my everyday life and thinking, I'm interested in this. Maybe I can uh, dig deep and make a career out of it. And so I did. Well, good for you. And you've been at it for 25 years now, which is which is pretty fantastic uh, in in that line of work. So I, I know, you know, you are passionate as well about helping Canadians maximize their income in retirement. And one of the ways to do that is through a pension plan. Obviously, here at Omer's, we have a, a defined benefit pension plan. What's your opinion on these types of, of plans? They're gold. I have one myself and I value it highly. Um, they are guaranteed income for life in retirement. And I think that the benefit of that cannot be overemphasized. My only regret is that more Canadians won't get a chance to have one. Uh, we have to face facts that only minority of workers out there get them. Um, but there are employers that offer them. And uh, insofar as you're changing jobs or you're uh, valuing your current job, I would put a high, uh, a high value on having a defined benefit plan. So you think that when people are looking for for jobs out there, they should look to see if there are if there is a, a pension plan as part of the the benefit package? Oh, absolutely. I mean, ideally a defined benefit plan, but if not, then a defined contribution plan or a group RRSP, something where you have a commitment to add money to your retirement plan and your employer matches it. That's a key thing. 
Um, there's a lot of value to that. It's like having a piece of your salary taken away and then paid back to you in retirement. I, I cannot uh, overemphasize the benefit of having a uh, a savings plan that's sort of taken out of your hands where you're, th- you're not thinking, should I save this week? Should I not? Um, this is automatic. Your money's growing and it's there for you when you retire. So Rob, I've talked to some of our members and they talk about the the contributions coming off their paychecks and sometimes it's a little painful, but as you said, it's a form of forced savings, right? So at at the end, they just have to learn to live on the 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 net money that they get from their paychecks and then as you said, they will get their money back when they retire and and more so. You know, we live in a world of inflation and expensive housing and people carry a heavy load of expenses every paycheck every month. And I know that paying uh, pension contributions um, is can be painful. It's, it can be a stretch. Um, but I could not uh, be stronger in saying uh, that there's a huge future benefit in this in this uh, sacrifice you're making in the here and now. And that if your company gave you the um, the leeway to say, "I think I'll make pension payments when it suits me or when it feels good." Most people will never make any, and if they make and if they do, it'll be sporadic, and you will not have the retirement pension you would if you made these regular contributions. You know, there's just a lot to be said for taking it off the top. Um, you know, one of the core principles of personal finance is pay yourself first. That means take money, put it into your savings and your investments as soon as you get paid, so you don't miss the money. That's how pensions work, and it is a proven, effective way for you to build retirement savings. And, um, you know, you can do savings on the side for yourself as well. In addition to your pension, a lot of people probably should try to do a little of that at least. And there you can give yourself the discretion, but for your pension, for your core foundational retirement savings, I really think taking it off the top is the best way to go. I wanted to switch topics about another column you, you had written a few months ago about a grade 12 student who's written a financial guide for young people, which is really terrific. And having covered personal finance, for, for so many years, how do you want young people to think differently about preparing for right, retirement, especially than previous generations? You know, I think young people today are um, quite a bit savvier about money than previous generations. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, they have to be. Um, there's just... Uh, there's just more importance uh, placed on being financially smart, savvy, independent. Uh, and also there's more apps and there's more um, there's more ways to look after your money online. So you've got your phone, you've got your computer. Um, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, you had to go to the bank, you had to call your, or visit your financial advisor. Today, you can look up any piece of information you want and you can access all your accounts online. So that's great. I think it's made people a little bit more financially savvy and experienced and they've got their hands on their money more and altogether that's a good thing. Um, But I think what people need to do is to, um, they need to learn the habits of good personal finance as young as possible. So, I mean, I, I cannot overstate the importance of living within your means. And if you can get that going in your young years, I think the whole your whole future will take care of itself. It's all about not spending more than you have, avoiding debt, leaving a little bit of slack in your budget so that there's money to put away for savings and investments. If you can master that in your younger years, then I think that will take you right through the rest of your life in a personal finance way. Yeah, it's it's really good advice and, and hard to do sometimes, right? Um, especially when we've got all of this advertising coming at us, buy the great new clothes or the new shoes and all of that sort of thing, new cars. So so how do you how do you fight that 
um, and and really think about your savings and your retirement as as you're recommending. Well, you mentioned that uh, personal finance book written by the 18 year old a little earlier. Uh, his name is Noah Booth, and um, his book is um, it's really I, I thought it's really really well well positioned for young people because he talks a lot about the pressure they're under to buy and to spend and to live up to what their friends are doing. And I, I think it's not just for, for, for young adults. It's, it's everybody in the world today. You're exposed to so many marketing efforts through the internet, through social media. You're seeing what your friends are doing on, on, on Facebook and on, uh, on Instagram. And it creates sort of this hunger to live up to what they're doing. And it, inevitably that means buying things, buying clothes, buying items, buying experiences like travel. And I don't really know a great way to tell people to stop doing that. I don't think it's really possible. This is the world we've built. This is the world we live in. Um, I do think that if you do a pay yourself first um, savings and investing program, the, um, the spending can take care of itself if you're disciplined. Um, it's all about sort of saying, if I get $100, 15 goes into my savings and my investments, that leaves me with 85 um, let's say 50 of that is going to cover my, uh, my expenses and the rest of that I can spend. If you can discipline yourself to live in a world where you spend only that differential amount, then I think you can get by. But I think some people are going to have to learn by hard experience. They're going to overspend. They're going to borrow. They're going to have to make credit card payments. They're going to have to pay interest at 20% and they're not going to like it. And hopefully they, uh, they learn from that experience to try and, better live within their means. But the, the stimulus to spend, it's everywhere. And uh, we all succumb to it once in a while. So when you think about retirement for, for young adults, or if they're thinking about it now, um, how do you how do you imagine it would look like for the millennial and Gen Z generations, as well as the younger Gen X generations? And how will their retirements differ from the boomers generation? Well, I think they are Young people today are probably going to be working to between 65 and 70. Um, and there'll be a couple of reasons for that. One is that they'll be living longer. I mean, probably to 90, 95 or longer. And they'll want to work longer. I mean, it's like it's a, it's a long retirement. If you retire at 65 and live to 95, 30 years, it's almost as much time as you'll spend in the workforce. So uh, I think to stay active and interested, they'll, they'll do that. I think working longer can also help them top up their retirement savings. You know, if they're getting into the housing market and they're not able to save for retirement very much, they've only got their pension, they're not able to do something else. I think that uh, working a little longer might help top up the retirement savings. So I think it'll be quite normal and it won't be seen as a punishment. It'll just be seen as a normal thing working to 65 to 70. I mean, more boomers are doing it now too, but I think it'll be absolutely a commonplace thing for, for younger people. You know, we also have to acknowledge that uh, while we're, you know, here we're talking about the greatness of defined benefit pension plans, a lot of people won't have them. And they'll need to do extra to save for them. And I think that uh, young people are going to be need to be thinking, if I'm not saving for retirement now, when do I see myself being able to do it? And how can I make sure that I get going uh, when I'm able to and stick with it? right through uh, right through my, my peak earning years and making sure I put enough away. So there's going to be a, um, a need to sort of say, if not now, when for retirement savings. And one thing people don't realize is that, um, you know, life is long and there will be opportunities to save and you just have to be smart enough to see them open up and then jump on them. And 
you know, I know a lot of people who are in the housing market, they own a home, they, they feel these heavy mortgage payments weighing on them and they're keen to pay off their mortgage as soon as possible. And I say, great, if you do that, as soon as your mortgage is done, that is when you go into power saving mode for retirement. So if you're young and you're, you've got a house and you've got a heavy duty mortgage and you're really putting a lot of resources into getting that paid off, good for you. But just recognize that when the mortgage is paid off, you all that extra slack in your budget, that should go for retirement. Yeah, it's a it's it's a good plan. I mean, today with the the cost of housing and the price of houses and the interest rates, pretty challenging, right? To even uh, try to pay that mortgage off um, before you retire. Some people are taking their their mortgages into into retirement, and hopefully they have enough income then to be able to maintain those those payments. Um, but you're right; it's turning into in, into a different world from you know even my parents' generation that paid off their their mortgages quite quite early and then had that income to live on. Yeah, paying off uh, paying off mortgages early is a, is a really interesting thing. You know, um, you know when mortgage rates were lower than they are today, I wasn't really that big a advocate of like of paying down your mortgage as soon as possible. I was my thinking was. You know, you want to uh, use your extra money to to save for retirement. Um, it's a better use because, you know, you might have 10, 20, 30 even years of compounding in your RSP or your TFSA, and your mortgage is going to get paid off automatically anyway, because you're on a, you're, it's, you've got an amortization schedule. The bank makes sure you pay. The mortgage takes care of itself, whereas retirement savings doesn't. But Mortgage rates today are quite a bit higher and the interest component of your mortgage payments is a lot higher and um, the burden of the mortgage is a lot higher. So I'm more sympathetic now to paying off that mortgage. And then once you've done that clear with that room, you've cleared away, then you can uh, you can jump on retirement. Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted our, our members to know that in addition to RSPs and TFSAs, um, we also have a program called additional voluntary contributions. So you can put additional money into that into that plan, your additional voluntary contribution or AVC plan, and make the same returns as the OMERS pension plan. So it's just another way for them to save. And, and we created that program because our members were asking, you know, can I put more into the pension plan? And you can't. There, there are set set amounts that you can contribute. Um, so we created that program for others who who wanted to save and have OMERS in, invest their money for them. Rob, I know some people are struggling with the question of whether they, they continue their retirement savings and, and hopefully not our members because obviously they do have a, have a pension plan. So put more money into retirement savings or get into the housing market. What would be your advice for them? I think you have to put make a priority of getting into the housing market. It's just it's just hard economics. You're going to need to save a big down payment in in bigger cities, and that's going to require all hands on deck saving. You're not going to have money left over for retirement saving and building a housing uh, housing down payment if you live in Toronto or Vancouver or all the many cities around them. Um, you will get to retirement savings later in life. People have done it like that for generations. It can work. You'll have to make a big commitment to retirement savings later, but it can be done. But there's, I, I question how anyone is realistically going to get into the housing market if they're diverting some of their potential down payment money into their RSP and their TFSA. Um, I would say get yourself a first home savings account. That's a new uh, tax-free uh, savings option for, for people who want to save for a first home and make that the place where you put uh, put your put your savings uh, for the for the near term. Yeah, and and you know it doesn't all have to go into the housing market. I mean, you also have written columns about renting, 
and not necessarily putting all the money into into purchasing a, a home. I have done that, and I have tried hard to uh, to make renting a a reasonable option to people. Uh, but there's, the problem with renting now, today in 2023, is that it's so expensive. Rents are going up like a rocket. They're up like 16 percent year over year in in April versus the same month of 2022, and Renting will always be cheaper than home ownership, and you will always have extra money on the side that you can use to invest and build up an investment portfolio for retirement or whatever else. And that would be sort of your version of the home equity that homeowners have. But renting used to have a bigger advantage than it does today because uh, rents are so expensive. Uh, you know, I look back to the pre-pandemic era, 2019, before inflation took off, and renting was a viable alternative to home ownership, and it left you quite a bit of cash on the side to save. It's still true, but not nearly as dramatic as before, unfortunately. Okay, so that's uh, good information for for our our members who are thinking about whether you know to save for the housing market or or renting. I'll move on to a different area now. You had talked a bit about how technology has made investing and and financial information more accessible to to Canadians and digital and social media have helped with that as well. So are, are young Canadians becoming savvy enough to manage retirement planning and savings on their own? You know, I, I, I think they are. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's in some ways, it's less complex than it's made out to be. You know, if a young person says, I'm going to save for retirement, I'm going to open up a digital brokerage account, I'm going to contribute money to it often, and I'm going to buy um, a low-cost exchange-traded fund type of thing, I think you can do fine saving for retirement. I, I really do. I don't think there's much more to that in your 20s, 30s, and even 40s. Um, but by the time you get to your 40s, it's not just about how much am I putting away. It's about what do I want to do in retirement? How much have I saved? How much am I able to save in the future? And is there a gap between the two? And in that case, I think you probably want to consult a, a, a financial planner to do sort of a, uh, a stress testing of your retirement plan and find out whether there's any shortfalls or whether you're on track. You may find you're doing a great job, just keep it up, or you may find you either have to retire later or start saving more. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, so I, I want to know, what are your top three personal finance hot takes, must-haves, or tips that you want our listeners to know? I know you've written many different columns about many different topics, but if you could pick just three, what would you say? Well, what is that there is no substitute for a regular uh, saving and investing plan. So if you're in a pension plan, that money's being taken off the top of your salary. And of course, you can in a pension plan as well as being taken off the top of your salary. But I would say you need to build up an emergency fund. And a, a great way to do that is to have a little bit of money deducted from your checking account where your where your paycheck goes. Every time you get paid and it goes into a an account at, a, at an alternative bank with a good high interest rate on super safe savings, you, right now you can get uh, two and a half to three percent on your savings, which isn't too bad um, when you consider that that money's uh, that money is completely risk free. Um, another one is to avoid credit card debt. There's just nothing more important in personal finance really than avoiding credit card debt because that is the black hole of personal finance. It just sucks you in and it is very hard to get interest at 20% or or even higher. Um, you know, once you get into the credit card balance uh, that isn't paid, it is very hard to get out of that. It usually means that you're uh, you're overspending and that you are sort of lost at control of your finances. The best thing to do if you get in that situation is take the card, take it out of your wallet, take the app off your phone, and 
and stop putting new costs on it and just try and get it paid off. Some of our young members are listening to us right now, Rob, and they're thinking, oh no, I have credit card debt. Oh no, I haven't saved uh, for that emergency fund. What advice do you have for them? Get on it now. Figure out a plan to get the credit card debt paid off. And once you've done that, start building up the emergency fund. You've got time. You know, there's no rush to to be financially successful right from the get-go. I always say spend your 20s building your career, finding out what you're good at, finding a good employer to 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 develop your career within your 30s. That's when you start to really uh, find your legs in your career and you might be getting promotions. Uh, you it might be a chance to move to a different employer, a more responsible job with a higher pay. You could start to save. You could start to make sure your student debts are paid off. Um, you could start to maybe get into the housing market in your 30s. And if not your 30s, your early 40s can still work. You know, if people are going to be living to 95 and working to 65, 70, I think it opens up time to get things right and not stress in the here and now but that things maybe aren't going your way. Give it a couple of years. Things can turn around. Yeah, that, that's that's really good advice and, and good positive advice, right? Rather than it, a lot of don'ts, uh, there are a lot of do's as, as well. So thank you, Rob. That was uh, so much wonderful, useful information that that our members can can use. Well, thanks for having me. That was a great chat. Thanks to our guest, Globe and Mail finance columnist Rob Carrick. Be sure to go to omers.com for more information and sign into My Omers to access your account. I'm Jackie D'Souza, and this has been The Pension Blueprint. Thank you.